Take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. How many of you just want to be successful? I mean, some of you say, well, Dr. Reggie, I'm past that now. It's either successful or not successful. But, you know, every day brings with it a potential for success, potential for God to work in our lives. You know, I was thinking about it this morning as the children were standing here and how successful they were in their endeavor, in their effort. I mean, some of us, I mean, think about it this morning to to be able to give an answer or to find a book within 10 seconds. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? I would say that's successful. I was thinking of their success. As Brother Dale was standing here, I was thinking of his great success. And especially coming from someplace like Bogalusa, Louisiana, how in the world did he... And then I said to myself, you know, he married a Mississippi girl. That's what... Hey, sometimes you just got to marry up and depend on other successes, right? All of us want to be successful. I want to be successful. I I hope that you want to be successful in your lives. I I hope that we want to be successful in our relationships, in our work, in everything that we're involved in, that we want to be successful. And if you look at Proverbs chapter 3, you'll see the writer of Proverbs speaking about success. And he'll speak about the wisdom that one needs to have success in life. I want you to see this as we begin reading in verse 1. You read along silently as I read aloud. It says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For a length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights. Notice he speaks about success, about plenty. Now, when you think about success... What is success? I mean, that is a question for all of us. Is the success just how much you accumulate here on this earth? Is it your bank account? Is it the house? Is it the car? Is that really success? Or is success something that about reputation, that you gain fame in life and people know who you are? Is that really success? I think you find an answer in verse 2. In verse 2, it says, For a length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. It speaks speaks about length of days, but notice that word peace. In some of your translations, it may even say plenty of prosperity, success, peace. Some people interpret it wholesomeness, wholesomeness, or the peace that comes, the contentment that comes. Because you cannot measure success just in in the length of your days. You have to measure success, I think, in the contentment of your days. 
It's much more than length. We may be able to live a long life, but yet are we content? Are we at peace? It reminds me of what Paul said in Philippians 4.11 where he said that in all things he had learned to be content. There is an overwhelming peace that God has granted and how he blesses us through life. I think that is much more success than just simply the measure of your days or the measure of your wealth or the measure of your fame. Are you content with what God is doing in your life? Are you at peace knowing that you are fulfilling God's will? Now I want to give you some ways in which I think we are able to achieve that peace, that success in our lives. Number one, write it down. One way in which we are able to experience success in our lives, we've got to first begin with this. Number one, trust Him. Trust Him. And some of you say, again, that seems to be so basic. Well, you've got to start with the basics before you move on to the specifics. You've got to come to that place of recognizing in your life that you must trust Him. Trust Him. Notice it says in verse 5, this is one of those verses that many of you have memorized, you've committed to your memory, but also committed to your heart. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And then in verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Notice the basic message of that is trust him. Trust him. The word trust in verse 5. I studied that this week. And and I tell you, this is, I, I I just love to study and preach. Do you know that? I mean, sometimes in my office, I just have to break out. I'm proud I got an inner office so they can't hear me singing outside, you know. They might be asking questions. But I was studying this this week. I had never noticed this word trust in the Hebrew before. But it means something like to lie helplessly face downward. To lie helplessly face downward. It's used in Jeremiah chapter 12 verse 5 to speak about lying down face down. In Psalm 22, 9, it speaks about a baby that will nurse lying face down. That begins to paint a different picture of the word trust, doesn't it? I mean, to think of it speaking about lying down helplessly before God. I mean, that is a vulnerable position when you're lying face down. You can't see... You're just at somebody else's mercy, it seems, right? And this is what it means. It means to trust. You, you've got to totally depend upon him. Before you can talk about the successes that are going to come in this passage, you have to come to that place of total, absolute trust and dependence. That's what this passage means. It means to trust. Well, I, I got excited about that when I studied it this week. But then, when I looked at that next frame of reference here, this next sentence, it says, and lean not on your own understanding, I got even more excited. I got even more. To God be the glory, I began singing that, victory in Jesus. I mean, this is great stuff. Because it says in this next verse that we're not to lean onto our own understanding. Now, trust and leaning... There are certainly the similarities that you'll see here. 
But lean literally means to depend. It means to, it means to put all of your weight upon something. If you are to look at that word in other places in the Old Testament, it will speak about relying on something else. Now think about it a moment. Think about us being totally reliant and dependent upon God. Here he says, lean not on your own understanding. A lot of times what we do is we rest on our own understanding. The way we've worked it out in our minds. We just rest upon that. We depend upon that. It's kind of like King Saul. That word is used. The word lean is used of King Saul in his final moments where it says that he leans or he rests upon his sword. A very negative type of use of that word. But think of that. That's literally what we do when we're leaning upon our own understanding. We're leaning upon a sword of destruction. But that's what we do is we rely upon what we think and what we need to do. Tomorrow, the staff and I will leave for just a day or two. We'll consider the vision of the church and who we are and what we should be doing. And I think God has been working in my heart as I've studied this passage this week because one of the things that I hope that we do this week is not lean upon our own understanding. You know, all of us, all of us have our own ways of this is how we can do things better. This is how a church can be. This is... But I pray we're not leaning upon our own understanding and our, upon our own programs here at this church, the great programs, but not leaning upon programs and man's wisdom but somehow that we are reliant and leaning upon God for His vision and His empowerment of who we are. And listen, when we lean upon Him, He's big enough to catch us. He's big enough to support us. We can be dependent upon Him. Now, I was thinking this morning, you know, if I come and if I were to lean on the pulpit, I used to have preachers that would lean on pulpits. You know, if I were to lean on pulpits and lean upon this one, you know this one would, this one would be pretty sturdy, wouldn't it? You with me this morning? You still alive? <laughs> this one would be rather sturdy. I could lean upon it, and it would support my weight. That says a lot <laughs> for this pulpit. But if I were to, say, get one of these music stands, and I were... To begin to lean on it, it probably would collapse just like that because it's not as sturdy. It's not built to withstand the weight that, and the pressure that I would put upon it. But when you lean upon God and you rely upon Him, you depend upon Him, let me assure you that He is big enough and strong enough to support everything that you come at Him with in your life. Your own understanding will give way. Your own understanding will bring destruction. But when you lean upon Him, when you trust in Him, you can count on Him being there and Him being the support that you need in your life. Trust Him. The words trust, the word lean, the word 
Acknowledge. Verse 6, it says, In all your ways, acknowledge him. I think a better word to translate that is know him. Know him. Know him in all your ways. In everything that you do, you want to know him in everything. It's not just for the church on Sunday morning. Your faith, your trust is not just for a Sunday morning experience. It is for every day of our lives, in every area of our lives. It's in our family, it's in our business, it's in our church. It's in every area that we are to trust Him. I I think when you read the great passage of Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Get this, verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, in every way you can, you are to speak of God and who He is, that He is one God, that He is the glorious God, that He is the God that provides for us, that we are to acknowledge Him and know Him in every way. In every way. Now that means giving up confidence in our own knowledge and wisdom. Verse 7, the writer of Proverbs says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. In other words, it is giving up confidence in our own wisdom, in who we are, and saying, God, we have confidence in you. In other words, we trust you. We may may have thought that we figured it out this way, but God, we are reliant upon you. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. Here God had given them all kinds of freedom, all kinds of freedom, and said simply, Don't eat from this tree. Don't eat from this tree. Everything else, I mean everything else you can have. Everything else you can enjoy in this garden. But just this one tree. And yet, Adam and Eve, because of pride, give in to temptation. And they sin. And because of that, they find fierce consequences in their lives and that's really what pride will do when you say i understand better than god you know that tree won't hurt me that tree will help me and this will be good for me and maybe i'll be like god and when you reason that way when you place those things in your own understanding you will fail each time we trust him so get this number one The number one step to success, to peace, to contentment, trust Him. Trust Him. Number two, number two, trust Him for His blessings. Trust Him for His blessings. Now, I've got to say something here at the beginning of this point, and I want us all to hear this, okay? 
All right, so would you wake up the guy that's sleeping by you? Would you do that? Just kind of nod. Kind of. I am not a, pro- a prosperity gospel preacher. You know that. You've heard me. Some of you have heard me. What do I mean by that? I'm, I'm not one to get up and tell you that if you live your life and if just so-so and everything's good, that God's just going to bless you and that you'll never have a problem in your life. If you're obedient, you'll never have a problem. I didn't say that, did I? I've never said that. We all face obstacles. Believers in particular, I think, place, uh, see obstacles in our lives. So I am not a prosperity gospel preacher. But may I say this? God does bring prosperity. He does. Everything that we have is from God. Your prosperity, your blessing today, it is from God. Because of the prosperity gospel preachers and because they have taken the gospel and they have distorted it in their own way, we've almost moved away from this idea that God blesses because we don't want to be identified with them. Well, I'm not wanting to be identified with them. I denounce any distortion of the gospel, but may I say this again? God does bring prosperity to our lives. I should hear some amens in this place. Because when I look around this morning and think about all the blessings that God has brought, God has blessed us immensely. God has blessed us immensely. And we need to recognize that. Every good gift comes from Him. Everything. So let's just trust Him that He'll bless us. That He'll work in our lives. Now remember the first point was just trust Him. Just trust Him, period. You're just going to depend upon Him and rely upon Him for that contentment, for that joy in your life. And then you're going to trust Him to bring blessing. Does he bring physical blessing? Absolutely. Verse 2, he had spoken about length of days and long life. In verse 8, it says, it would be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. God can bring physical blessing. Physical blessing. Remember that commandment, the first with promise, that if you honor your father and your mother, some of you went, some of you are in Bible drills. Did you see that? Yes, absolutely. He says, you honor your father and mother so that your days would be long in that land in which you're going to live, he says. So in other words, there was a promise that was there. So in other words, God connected the command to a promise of health. So God does bring physical blessing. He does. Now, Proverbs 3, I want you to see again that Proverbs, the book of Proverbs really are based upon general truths and statements, okay? I've said this before. A proverb is not a promise. A proverb is a general truth that is spoken. You can say 90%, 99% of the time, this is the way it works. It's not a promise. It's a proverb. So notice he's speaking about trusting in him, trusting in him to bless, and that there can be physical health. Let me give you a, like an example. Let's say 
you turn to like Proverbs 20, like uh, Proverbs 20, I think, verse 1, speaks about us knowing the danger that alcohol can bring. So, okay, I recognize that. I've heard the wisdom of God, and I decide I'm not going to indulge, and I'm not going to become an alcoholic, and I'm not, I'm not going to take... Health should be better if I'm not an alcoholic. Probably 99% of the time, yes. So I want you to see that a lot of times just following the wisdom of the Proverbs has natural consequences in our lives. I was going to save this one for later, but it might be here. Proverbs Proverbs 15.1. I'm going to preach on this one before too long. A soft answer turns away wrath. Soft answer turns away wrath. But a hostile word stirs up anger. I tell you that now because you husbands, it's better for your health if you remember that proverb. (laughs) Natural consequences of listening to the Proverbs. He says, basically, you can have physical blessing. Notice you have spiritual blessing. In verse 4, he said, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God. So as you're following and you're obedient with Him, you have fellowship and you have that relationship with God and you're enjoying it, you have peace, so you can have spiritual blessings. Isn't it awesome to be able to walk in fellowship with God? See, I've often contended that it's not the unbeliever who's unhappiest in this life. It's not the unbeliever. Because the unbeliever doesn't realize what he's missing because he's never experienced the relationship with God. The unhappiest person, I believe, is that believer who has served and have been faithful, but now they are out of God's will, doing their own thing. Because that believer is not experiencing the fellowship of God like they once did. I think that's one of the most miserable individuals you'll ever find in this life. And here he says, if you're going to have spiritual blessing, you you, got to... If you're going to be able to have that fellowship, you've got to trust Him. You've got to walk with Him. You've got to keep His commands. Notice verse 1, He even said, Let your heart keep my commands. Keep the commands. So there are spiritual blessings that come. Spiritual blessings. There are social blessings that will come. He says, notice that you will have favor in the sight of God and man. Now, see, that's where I was going to use Proverbs 15.1. That if you listen to this idea of a soft answer turns away wrath, and you're trying to relate to people, then you can have a better relationship with individuals if you'll listen to the proverb and answer softly instead of answering with a harsh word and stirring up more anger. Again, isn't it a natural consequence of just listening to God's wisdom? And Luke 2.52 when I was reading through this and putting these things together, I thought of Luke 2.52. 
which says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. That he was growing, that he was maturing with God and man. Isn't this what the writer of Proverbs says? Is that you are developing relationally and socially and God is bringing success in those relationships? I think that's a big deal. No matter what other blessing came in life, we're going to talk about material in a moment, but no matter what other blessing came in life, I do believe I'd be satisfied if God blessed my relationship with him and my relationship with others. Because all the stuff is nothing compared to the relationships that God gives us. The relationship we have with him and the relationship we have with others. Our families, our friends. Isn't it amazing that it'll be love that will never fail? Everything else will cease. All the other gifts, but love will never fail because those relationships will continue for eternity. They will continue. So here's the blessing that God says that you can be successful not only physically and spiritually, but also socially, relationally with others. And yes, I do believe, as I said earlier, that God blesses, he blesses us materially. If he chooses so, he is the one who blesses us materially. Look at verse 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty. The word there is actually grain. So your barns will be filled with grain and your vats will overflow with new wine. Says, you continue to follow and see God's blessing even materially in your life. Doesn't mean that God's going to give you everything that you want. I've been wanting a Cadillac Escalade for some time. Ask the people at Zachary. I was praying for that about 10 years ago, probably. Not going to happen. But God does bless us materially. Absolutely. He blesses us. And notice what he says, that even as he blesses us materially, we are to respond in faith and in trust. Did you catch this? He said, honor the Lord with your first fruits. Your first fruits. An agrarian society here that would bring of their first fruits, literally their first fruits. The first of what they had. Gave to God. How is that an act of faith? How is giving an act of faith? When you bring of your first fruits, you give them to God. Let, let, let's say that here you are, a family, a large family. Maybe you have something like four children, okay? A large family. <laughs> and you come before God and you say, God... Now I have four children. 
I have a wife. There's six of us. And God, we could use some of these vegetables probably in a couple of weeks. But we're going to give these to you. We're going to give these to you because we believe. We believe that you're going to take care of our needs in a couple of weeks. We believe that as we honor you with our first fruits, as we come, we demonstrate faith. We believe that the fruits that we have here, that were given by you, that, Lord, you will give more fruit, that you will give more vegetables, that you're going to take care of my family. That's faith and that's trust. That's how it was demonstrated, even in the Old Testament. So here you are, material blessings. Yes, God gives them, but notice the trust. And I've always said this, just like us in our lives, when we give appropriately, let's say we just give the basic tithe. I will promise you that you can do, not, you can do better on 90% than you can on 100%. And I guarantee you, you'll have more contentment and peace and joy in your life with the 90% than you would the 100%. Because God honors God works. I don't give in order to get. But I am thankful that God still blesses. And God still works. Trust him. Trust him to bless you. But also, just trust him to do what's best. Trust him to do what's best. That's the third step, I think is that we trust Him, that's the basic statement, that we trust Him to bless, but then that we trust Him to do the best, whatever it is. Trust Him to do the best, whatever it is. Verse 11, it says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest His correction. For whom the Lord loves, He corrects, just as a father the son in whom He delights. Trust Him to do what's best in your life, even if that means there's discipline and correction that is applied. I don't like discipline. Leslie will tell you, I don't like to discipline even our children in a sense. I don't like to do those things. But I know those things are necessary. They're necessary. So that they grow and they do what is right to keep them safe. Yesterday, we were outside. My two older children riding their bikes. My two younger children riding this little Jeep that somebody had brought by. Have you ever seen one of these things? It's got little Barbie stuff on it and all this. I'm telling you, you come by English Turn, you better, you better slow down when you come through. But they were out just riding. And I'd have to say, don't go to the street don't go too far why did I I didn't want to do that to be mean I didn't want to do that for any other reason but just to make sure that they were protected and listen this is the God that we serve God is not trying to destroy all the joy in your life I think that's the profile that some people have of God that he's the cosmic killjoy ready to destroy every type of happiness that we're supposed to have. That's not the God we serve. The God we serve wants us to see joy. And he knows what's best. 
And there are moments he'll bring discipline in our lives and correction. But you know what? Even in those moments, trust him. Trust him to do what's best. Trust him in your life. Deuteronomy, again, chapter 8, verse 5. He spoke to the nation of Israel. He said, you should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. He had to remind his people through the wilderness wanderings of his will and of his purpose. Later on in Isaiah chapter 10 verse 20. And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and such as have escaped of the house of Jacob will never again depend. Same word as Proverbs 3. Depend or lean on him who defeated them but they will depend on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. What did the writer of Isaiah say? He said this. They didn't depend upon me before. And if you look at the history of Israel, they were actually depending upon the Assyrians to somehow bail them out and take care of them. And God said, I'm going to chasten them and discipline them so that they'll never depend upon those foreign gods and those foreign nations again but so that they will depend upon me. And thus we've come full circle, right? Because when God brings discipline in our lives and correction, what is his ultimate goal? It's so that we'll trust him. We'll depend upon him. So that we can have success, contentment, joy, peace in our lives. God wants you to be successful. In his eyes. He wants you to know peace. He, he wants you to enjoy length of days. But not just length of days. He wants you to enjoy the contentment of your days. He wants you to enjoy that. And the only way you can do that is trust him. Depend upon him. Believe in him. In all your ways. Know him. Acknowledge him. And then Trust him to bless and trust him for the best. That's the God that I want to serve. And that's the God you should serve. I invite you this morning. Maybe it's a time of rededication and renewal. But I invite you to come and trust him again. Believe in him in all your ways.